from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this, I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Can we talk about how the remix of Jennifer Lawrence singing the um, <laughs> the song <laughs> it became did like you a play huge that club hit? Yeah, did no, you but play I, it? no, but I do remember once being in an Uber on a way to a party, and that song <laughs> came on. It's so bad. Welcome to Like a Virgin, the show where we give yesterday's pop culture today's takes. I'm Rose Domu. And I'm Fran Torado. And we have some breaking news. And Fran, I don't know if you've even seen this. Yeah. We did not talk about it in advance, but the Madonna biopic has been canceled. Oh my. That is hilarious because I was at Sundance this weekend, which we'll talk about shortly. I talked to multiple industry people about the Madonna biopic, two separate conversations about this biopic. And someone said to me, well, what do you think is going to happen with it? And I was like, I don't think it's going to happen. I think that Madonna, if you look at the history of Madonna movies and just unfinished Madonna projects in general, there are many that have been abandoned because she's so impossible to work with. Which, like, she deserves yes. to be impossible to work with, right? Like, she's earned her Sure, cheap, to an but, extent. But, uh, I mean, you also called this too, I feel. Like, you didn't think it was going to be like, it's not uh, happening. It's, I have been saying for years at this point that this yes. film, which Madonna was going to direct herself, yes. was never happening. Um, but it is official, according to Twitter. It's not happening. But what I will say is, I still would like to see... A limited series about the Madonna boot camp. <laughs> yes, actually. Um, girl, so tell me about Sundance. Sundance was great. I've been to Sundance before. Have I told you about this? No. Um, I went to Sundance 20 years ago in fifth grade. <laughs> what? Yeah, my, my trans cowgirl aunt, who I think I've talked to you about before, 
yes. was an architect and she had like uh she had built a house for Robert Redford. I'm not a nepo baby by the way, listeners. Um she just like ha- got the hookup. My aunt is like she lives in a shack in like the middle of fucking Podunk nowhere, Colorado, like a shack that she built herself. But she like was like, "Oh, um Robert Redford like my um, nibbling, so to speak. I hate. Actually, I, I just use the term nibbling to describe a young me, and I actually hate that term. Can we say this now? Like, there has to be a better gender-neutral term between nephew and niece than nibbling. Like, that's dis- it's rotted. Like, it's disgusting. <laughs> I've never used that terminology. I never would. It's disgusting. You, but you, 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 but you yourself have a nibbling. <laughs> I have a nephew. <laughs> For now. <laughs> For now. As I um, said, as I said at his Zoom gender reveal, for now. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, okay, so anyways, um, basically she was just like, oh yeah, my, like, my, you know, the, my uh, ne- niece um, wants to be a filmmaker. I want to take them and like literally brought me and my cousin to Sundance uh, so that we could like watch movies and, and all that stuff. Totally wild, but like the, uh, an amazing, incredible memory as a kid. And I think to go back was like, uh, triply fun, obviously, because I could go to all of the crazy parties that come along with Sundance. Yeah, so what is Sundance like? I've never been. You know, um, I would describe it similar to... I mean, it's just it's just a film festival that kind of takes place across Park City, which is this, like, you know, place in Utah that has a, an extremely high elevation and therefore is, like, covered in snow this time of year. Um, and it's super magical and very, like, hyper-local and small, very crowded... Um, probably has the same crowd that you might find at, like, a South by Southwest or, like, an Aspen Gay Ski Week, which, like, I've been to both, and that just basically means that they're white and affluent and have expendable income. So sometimes there are some, like, really annoying people that you're surrounded by, and then you're also surrounded by a lot of, like, cool, like, filmmakers and artists who are there because their films are there. Did you spot Anne Hathaway, who was so stepmother at Sundance this year. The kind of stepmom you want to fuck. She, I did not see her. I'm so bummed. But I would say that um, Kesha was probably the most famous person I was in proximity to. But That's I did. sad. It's really disappointing. I was looking for her, for sure. But I, I did see Meredith Marks, like, four different times. Like, she was at every other party that I went to. And at a certain point, I was like, this is weird. Like, <laughs> you are the queen of Sundance, I guess. Um, and yeah, she had, like, a party in, like, her boutique, which is... Um, like, oh my is god! She's the one with the gay son. She's the one with the gay son, and her boutique okay. is like like four hundred square feet. Like it's so small, and like I, it, we were all like jam packed in there with like a bunch of other faggots, and then like Jonathan Binet. Like I was just like, what's going on? Um, I saw some really cool films. There's only one that I like really want to talk about. Um, this documentary that soon everyone will hear about called Kokomo Documentary? City. Okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom when I... we talk about it. Just kidding. <laughs> okay, but actually I think that's a good setup because it's a documentary that, you know, if you read the logline, it's like a doc about black trans sex workers across the country. And on paper, it's kind of like a talking head doc. And, you know, you and I, we've worked in queer media for a while and like we've reported on a lot of things related to just ongoing violence and sex work and all the t- all this different stuff. And so I think I kind of went into it, and I think a lot of people probably went into it, 
having a certain idea in their head of what a documentary about black trans sex workers would be. And then in the first 60 seconds of this film, completely like surprises you. And it's like a completely different movie than what you think it's going to be. It is so funny and so nuanced and so artful. And like, I think that, you know, similar to our conversations about like Pretty Woman and Zola a while back, it's like, it like perfectly illustrates like the, like what's like mundane about sex work, like what's like ridiculous about sex work, what's terrifying about sex work and meshes it all up just like by way of talking to these women and hearing like how brilliant they are. And then also like without giving too much away, interviewing people that hire sex workers and without like centering them at all like the art of the camera it like doesn't show their faces and like just on the filmmaking level and on the music supervision level the movie was so good and the woman who directed it who obviously was also black and trans which is to me the reason why this film was like so far and beyond different than any other I'd seen in like the trans doc space or even trans filmmaking space um, she used to work in music and was like, I think uh, she used to do like music stuff for like Andre 3000 and Sierra, whatever. And then when she transitioned, she lost all her work and she was homeless for, I think, years. She was telling us at the talk back. And so this doc was like part of the art that she was like making to figure out like what her next step in art is. And she is going to be famous. Her name is D. Smith. Everyone should like check out this doc like the second it's available to them, truly. It's so well, good. Well, that sounds fabulous. And I will take your word for it and probably watch it, even though I'm very anti-documentary. I'm trying to think of, like, any other highlights from the weekend. But, like, I was basically just, like, driving around in, like, in snow and, like, being bundled up and, like, waiting outside of, like, parties, like, cold. That sounds miserable. <laughs> oh, and but, hanging out um... at the Chase Sapphire Reserve Lounge. Ooh, lovely. Um, Love banks. Well, speaking of snow and ice, <laughs> I I wanted to take a quick little detour this into tra- Rose's book tra- corner. This transition. Um. So, so I know I know that as a family we're still reading Manhunt. I'm reading it very slowly, but I did read <laughs> in literally one sitting the other night a gay hockey romance what book was it giving called... Yuri, was it giving yuri on ice yeah but but sexier and about hockey um and it was called heated rivalry it's part of a series of gay hockey fiction okay and it, it was recommended by someone i follow on tiktok and i read it in one sitting and it's about these two hockey players who get drafted at the same time and have this sort of media-driven rivalry, but, like, as soon as they meet, they're into each other, and they secretly fuck for years, um, and then, like, eventually fall in love. And it was a very good way to spend an evening. The sex scenes were really hot, and I definitely recommend it if you're just looking for some gay porn to read basically if you're looking for some porn to read you can st- some I, emotional gay porn i yeah i i mean i'm always looking for something to kind of like fill the hole that yuri on ice um used to occupy because i just like want i wish i could experience that series for the first time over and over again i know same it's really no thoughts head empty just vibes which was really what i was looking for 
What else have I been enjoying recently? I want to make a case that you should watch The Last of Us. Have you heard anything about it? I've seen t- people talking about it, and I've been seeing how Pedro Pedro Pascal wait, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been seeing like everyone thirst over him, and I yeah, I probably will watch it. What's it about? So it's a zombie show. It takes place in a post-apocalyptic world in which you know the society has fallen due to a zombie plague. It's adapted from a video game series. Oh. And in and in this iteration, um, the zombie plague is a fungus that has taken over humanity. So the zombies are very like the zombies' heads have like split open and like mushrooms and fungi are sprouting from them. Oh my and they're God. also like part of a hive mind that's connected through like spores. Oh, and stuff. that's cool. So they like they can like sync up and like communicate with each other. Yeah, kind of. it's like there's these threads that connect them. So if you like step on one a mile away, a bunch of a, a bunch of the zombies will know and will know where you are and then will like come running to get you. Um so the so uh, from what I've heard it's very faithful to the video game. There's almost like a prologue in the first episode where Pedro Pascal, who's the main character, it's about how his life before the outbreak started and you follow his daughter and like get kind of her point of view of like things starting to be weird and how things went awry. Um and I don't want to spoil it for you so I won't say more than that but then it jumps 20 years in the future to where he's now this um, smuggler in what used to be Boston which is now like a mili- a fascist military state and he and his girlfriend are tasked with um, smuggling this young girl out by the resistance and the show is I guess sort of like a, a road trip story about them making their way across the U.S. where like there's tons of like zombies and like raiders and slavers and um even in the first episode, I could tell that a lot of the visuals were probably pulled directly from the video game. Like scenes where they're in a car and there's like people running in front of them. It's like you can feel how that probably was lifted directly from the game, but it's done in such a like beautifully filmic way. The performances are incredible. Um, Pedro Pascal's daughter is played by Tandiwe Newton from Westworld, her daughter, and she's so incredible. Um, The girl who he eventually has to smuggle is played by the actress from the latter seasons of Game of Thrones who played Lyanna Mormont, and she was also in that Lena Dunham movie. That's where I saw I was like, I've seen her from Game of Thrones. Um... But yeah, it's really entertaining, very scary, um, you know, really good, just Sunday night, must-see TV. I definitely recommend it. I'm actually literally going to watch it now because I was just waiting for someone to kind of sell it to me. Um, honestly, I think a lot of people come to this podcast like waiting to be sold on something. So um, I was it was between that or, you know what else? You know what was on my list maybe for tonight was... The Madonna doc, Truth or Dare, which I've actually never seen. Oh, you've never seen? Yes, which I've heard it's incredible. Well, it's, you know, it's been in the culture a lot because the video Madonna put out last week to announce her... Yes! Wait, can we talk about this? ...world tour. Yeah, it's that that video is modeled after Truth or Dare, a scene in Truth or Dare in which Madonna plays Truth or Dare with her backup dancers, which is a little weird now considering that a lot of those backup dancers ended up suing her. Yeah, um, there was a, there was like, they felt really like abandoned by her in yes. a lot of that process. 
Um, but it was a really strange video of her and Amy Schumer and Jack Black and a lot um, of other Bob people the drag that, queen and that Meg had no Stalter idea why they were Kate there. Like... <laughs> yeah, Meg Stalter looked very confused as to why she was there. I mean, Bob the drag queen. Um, there was like there was one other Lil person. Wayne. Yeah, Lil Wayne. Wait, there was one. Oh, um, Kate Berlant. Like, yeah, ha, like these people. Like, what is the what a is checks the thre- check? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy for the folks that were in the movie. I'm just like thinking about like Madonna. It's just like I guess I can only speak for like Twitter people, like people who are very online. That like this like mishmash of celebrities is like so random. Like the only thing they have in common is like a maybe a kind of gay following that you know have proof of like viral popularity in some way. It's just weird for that Madonna thinks. She needs something like that to sell a world tour. Like, Madonna can literally just say, I'm going on tour. I get that it's, like, a cute little announcement thing. And, like, it's fine. I I don't mind that it exists. But it's just, it was weird. I just think that Madonna is, like, kind of, you know, rather has been, like, in her flop era for, like, a few albums. And I, well, flop era is, like, so pejorative and like cunty like I just like she used to be for like decades someone who truly did have her finger on the pulse of the culture right like she was good at sniffing out subculture at seeing what's cool at like taking like creators and underground DJs or whatever and putting them into her work and then those people transcend into greatness along with her right um I'm giving her a lot of credit in this like very sweeping summary of her but like in this era specifically, like her instincts just like don't smell right. Like and her Well, yeah, it's it's, it's just all feels very... so out of date. Like Yeah, I mean Madonna, it's Madonna used to create culture and now she chases culture. Yeah. And that, that is the problem. But the thing is where Madonna has always excelled far and away is in performance. And so I have faith that she will create something really exceptional in these live tours as long as it's not all fucking TikTok remixes of her greatest hits. And I haven't bought tickets yet, but I really want to get my hands on tickets because when I saw Madonna for the Madame X tour, it was the best concert I've ever seen. I cried through like half of it. I really, it was such a, it was such a profound theatrical experience. I, it was amazing. And, did you and like the album? I did like the album, but the tour really brought it alive to me in a different way. Wow. Are you alone in liking the Madame X album? I feel like a, a not, not a ton of Madonna people liked that album. I think the real Madonna heads do appreciate it. Okay. That's good to know. I honestly like can't wait to do our Madonna episode one day so that I can give like some of these other albums a close listen. But um, yeah, I, I honestly really want to see her the show as well. Like honestly, someone listening should figure out how to get us free tickets because like she famously doesn't do her hits at concerts, right? Like she'll, she'll, she, she does. No, she does. Does them, and- but she does she does them in new interpolations, like right, when, sure, right, like, remixes and stuff. Like not not even necessarily remixes, but just like in different contexts. One of the most moving moments of the Man of X tour was she performed Frozen, but she wasn't like there was a video on stage of her daughter Lourdes dancing Aww. that was the like instead of Madonna performing like that was the performance and it was 
so like transcendently like indescribably beautiful and touching um oh my god i i want to see her again so badly but i'm gonna need her to take that grill out I, so she can yeah, sing. so that we we don't get like spit on as an audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was home visiting my family last week and did catch up on some of the Oscar movies. Just knowing that you know the nominations were about right. to come out. The noms, That's the not noms. true. I actually I watched the menu, which I had already seen, and ever and we had to keep telling my mom to cover her eyes at the quote unquote scary parts. Scary parts. Um, but then my mom and I watched The Banshees of Inishirin, Right. and it is so good. I was gooped and gagged. Watch. And this is coming from someone who hated Three Billboards. Like, okay. walked out, like, wanted to burn the theater down after I saw it. Okay. It is so beautiful and funny and uh like sad and weird and like uh it is weird right like it it seems like it would be really fucking weird it's very weird but it's such a good movie it was such fantastic performances amazing music incredible cinematography it just uh, i loved it and i was not expecting to love it I really i yeah i wouldn't have expected you to like it either i honestly it's gonna take a lot to get me to watch that movie. It does not have the bones of something that I want to watch in a movie, but your endorsement of it is quite, that's like a pretty high endorsement. Um, I, much more than the Academy, that is. Although I am shook that the Academy nominated Everything Everywhere All at Once the most out of any other film. Like, that is such a win. I'm not surprised. I, I think that was, I think the the tide has turned enough that that was, I was not, worried that that film wouldn't get the recognition it deserved. I was just trying to change the topic to the fact that there are a lot of movies on here that definitely are on here more than they need to be, even if they're only on here once. For example, Avatar, The Way of Water. No, Avatar Um, deserves its Best Picture nomination. Can I just talk to you about the fact that I did, in fact, see Avatar, The Way of Water in IMAX? Oh, you did? Yes, I saw it. Oh, what did you think? Because we still haven't talked about it because you didn't see it. I, 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 I don't even know what I can say that would make a productive conversation. But I, I definitely think that the movie delivered pretty much exactly what it promised. And therefore, I can only be so snobby about it. You know what I mean? Like, I thought the movie was, to me, so rudimentary and so inanely stupid at times. But the movie is like ostensibly for like children or rather like the movie is just like for the whitest human possible audience in existence like literally in the history of like filmic reception ever (laughs) um is like their goal you know like james cameron literally just has a different goal than like all other filmmakers right like oh god i just the movie's not for me it's just not for me and i did want to walk i I wanted to walk out and i did not need to see sigourney weaver Why as a teenager, Sig- why did as a teenager, like teenager? like getting stoned, rolling around what? in nature, and like, like talking and to she had sea to do all of those stunts too. So I'm imagining her like getting stung by her a fucking ass. jellyfish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's so crazy. Like I and I I love we love Sigourney Weaver. To me, like my response was just like. 
you you have to have more pride in yourself as an actor than this. Like that like I if I was Sigourney Weaver and James Cameron was like, yo, you made my first movie such a huge success. I'm going to throw you a bone by making you this 15-year-old girl. Rather, this 15-year-old non-binary Navi. Um, because they did kind of have this kind of, like, faggy haircut. Um, I I would have been insulted if I was Sigourney. I would be like, what? Like, Why rewrite you it. Be insulted? Because there are... He's she, making her a main character in one of the biggest movies in the world. I Literally, know, like, the third gross... The third highest grossing film of all time. I think... Fran, like, yeah, sure. I, I get, I get I it, but like, it's just it's, so. Dis- it's, it's, it's not so... like it's not like she said no. Like she signed up to do I that. I know, but that's but it's so distract. It was so distracting to me. Um, yeah, I love the whale though. Love the whale, baby. Love the whale. Also love um, uh, Kate, Kate Winslet's Winslet. daughter being like such a baddie that like there's one when she's introduced, she like flips her hair over her ear. Yes. And, like, that's like so um, I want to say anachronistic, but it's it just feels like very out of place in the world that they're in. No, it was giving it was giving like Bond girl. Like it was it was giving like who wait, you no, know, that girl, the Kate Winslet's daughter from the Water Tribe is Claudia from Interview with a Vampire. No way. Yeah. Oh my god. That honestly, I mean, I'm not going to be the one to like have all the nuanced conversations about Avatar because like I think intellectualizing that movie in general is just like such a waste of time. Like why It's a crapshoot. Like why There's even no bother? Point. There's why no even point bother whatsoever. criticizing this movie at all? It like doesn't fucking matter because it's going to still make billions of dollars. But like for me it's like I I it's just when I was watching it, it's this is not a critique. This is just Fran's experience of the movie and me feeling like I'm watching it and I'm like, you know what? This movie could have been animated. It could have been an animated. It, it was it, animated. No, no, no. It could have been. In a way. Uh, no, no, no. It could have been 100% animated and they could have spent a billion and a half dollars less on it. And that billion and a half dollars could have gone to literally anything else. That. But, well, I'm happy it went to Avatar. And I am, I was just talking to. You're like, um, spend another billion. <laughs> no, this weekend I was, have, I was having dinner with a friend and saying, oh, and I remembered, oh, I need to see Avatar again. I need to see it in IMAX this time. Ew. And I, possibly in 4DX. The only reason I saw it in IMAX is because it was the only screening at like a sensible hour. And I, I, I don't, I do not actually, and this is like the non snob Fran, I do not think 3D added to my experience at all. I really wished I had watched it in 2d i also will be seeing the titanic re-release um, <gasps> that in, in a couple weeks now that we will show up for i will go down with the ship <laughs> i'd be speaking of you know post-apocalyptic big budget action franchises uh we're gonna be diving deep into the hunger games today who would win in a fight between natiri and katniss everdeen who's natiri uh zoe saldana Zoe Saldana. Okay, definitely Zoe. I'm sure she would really intimidate Katniss with all of her, her like, hissing and guttural moans. Because she literally had, sorry, again, this is why I think it's insult. Like, I think James Cameron is fucking stupid. It's like, all Zoe had to do with this movie was, like, was cry and scream. <laughs> like, yeah. but don't you wish. She had no other that, lines. Don't you wish that there was a blue Donald Sutherland <laughs> in Avatar talking about him being would a be good hot. old that fashioned is- cocksucker? <laughs> <laughs> Donald Sutherland would be amazing. He should have played the 15-year-old (laughs) non-binary. Yes.
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So I have a sort of um, process that I go through every year around this time which is that during the holidays, I do a rewatch of all the Harry Potter movies and all the Lord of the Rings movies, because to me, those are Christmas films. Well, I mean, (laughs) Lord of the Rings, literally, the the day the Fellowship is formed is on Christmas Day, canonically. You You know how, like, when you open up streaming services during the holidays, it's like, here's the Christmas section. Like, someone needs to sponsor you and be like, these are Rose's, quote unquote, Christmas movies. Well, actually, HBO Max <laughs> this year did, like, a big Harry Potter Christmas thing. They had, you know those videos where you can watch a fireplace burn and just, like, put it in the yeah. background as, like, ambient noise? They had a Harry Potter version of that what? where it's, like, it's the fireplace in the Gryffindor common room. And then, like, Sirius's face comes out of it sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did, I did like, fast forward through it to see if there were any fun little you Easter eggs. You can throw, like, flu powder if there's a flu powder green in it. Um. So I watched those during the holidays. and then. When the year starts over again, I realized that I always then go and watch The Hunger Games. Which I, I do agree. There's something seasonal seasonal about them. And I, I honestly, a lot of people, okay, here's the thing about Hunger Games. Hunger Games belongs in this genre of movies where if you are in a group function trying to decide on a movie 
and someone says Hunger Games, everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, 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 let's just watch Hunger Games. Yeah, like, because we, all, we all have a certain, like, level of familiarity with it. Everyone has their favorites of the movies. They're, like... They're wildly entertaining. They are very entertaining. The production value stands, you know, the test of time. The acting is good. There's both stuff to, like, seriously, like, engage with and be enthralled by. And also you can just, like watch and commentate and make fun of it. And also, the, I think the reason why I watch them this time of year specifically is, like, we're post-holidays, everything's a little, like, bleak and depressing, and so what do I want to watch? Um, teen dystopia. hmm I mean, dystopia is, like, as a genre of films now, so massively successful. Every network and streaming service is, or rather, maybe even that time has almost passed. Like, but, like, so many dystopian films in the Bird Box era have, like, come through uh, as they become more and more popular, which is interesting considering the world, the real world as we know it is also falling apart it's in a, a dystopia. Of, it's also a sort of, like, comforting dystopia. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Bird Box actually, like, when you look at the the actual trend of dystopic media, Bird Box is kind of late in the game. Yeah. So there's a very interesting um, YouTube video by Sarah Zed, who's a YouTuber that I've I've brought up on here before. Mm-hmm. I really like her video essays. She has one that's called What Happened to Teen Dystopia, which mm-hmm. is all about how there was this huge trend um, in the early 2010s of YA dystopia. Hunger Games is the biggest one, but there was also the... Divergent movies, book and movie series, which is what gave us Shailene Woodley. Mm-hmm. Um, and it followed right after um, Twilight Mania and the craze of YA supernatural romance. Mm. And um, that is a, a really interesting video essay if you want to kind of know more about how the teen dystopia phenomenon started and why it like ended kind of early. But even though it quote unquote ended, it has lingered. It just has lingered in, I would say, more adult projects. And so we have things like all all zombie movies are kind of in a way dystopic because, you know, the zombie apocalypse, like the end of the world. Um we have things like um The Leftovers, which yeah. is like I've never watched, but I actually kind of want to because I know that people say it's one of the best TV shows ever and it's like about the rapture. Also in this genre, um, I don't know why, but uh, a few nights ago, the full moon like woke me up at 6 a.m. and I was like, what the fuck? And I didn't know what to do with my body or what to do to use up my time. And so I started to watch The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Oh my god! But that is not Why a comfort. You have to bring that is it up? not a comfort watch. Like that is, but that is dystopia to a T. Um, on the Hunger Games, though, I have to say, I don't know if this is like I, I would. I really want to watch that video essay now. But I'm thinking a lot about what Jennifer Lawrence brings to that franchise in comparison to any sort of like YA action or dystopian um, movie. And I, and I think that Jennifer Lawrence is act. Like, she is so viscerally and emotionally human, raw, and real in something that is so not real. And I just don't think when we talk about something like Bird Box or whatever, dystopian movies aren't doing that at all. And this is kind of, you know, this was kind of my critique when we were talking about Bones and All that I didn't totally um, fully verbalize. But when I kept saying, it's so YA, it's so YA, it's like Taylor Russell, who I adore, 
was doing a YA performance in a way that Jennifer Lawrence was not in a YA franchise. Do you, uh, does that make I, sense? No, I, I, I get what you're trying to say. I okay. still disagree we, we with you. W- we won't get but sidetracked. You know we won't we're, get sidetracked. Let's, we're actually getting ahead of ourselves. So um, let's talk about you, what the Hunger Games is. Wait, do we have to, though? Yeah, well, Phoebe, our, even our producer doesn't know. So but Phoebe just, knows what it's about. Yes. Okay. So this is why we need to talk about what the Hunger Games. <laughs> it's so funny. Is. Phoebe, also, Phoebe is on the is like in our headphones talking to us about. Yeah. It. We also are here to educate. So the Hunger Games is a series of books written by Suzanne Collins. Mm-hmm. The first book came out in 2008. The subsequent books came out in 2009, 2010, and there was a fourth book that um, was released in 2020, which is actually being made into a movie. It's a prequel series. Hunter Schaefer's in it. Fuck, um, that's going to be good. They also were adapted into a film series. Um, the first film came out in 2012. And the books are set in a um, dystopic version of North America in which there are 12 districts that are ruled over by the capital. Mm-hmm. The districts in the history of Pan Am, which is what this, you know, post post-apocalyptic um nation is called, are being punished for an uprising that was perpetrated 75 years ago and this thing has been installed called the Hunger Games which is um part reality show part death match in which every year two teenagers are reaped in a lottery from each district and put into a, an arena to battle to the death until one of them survives at the behest of a one president snow played yes. by old fashioned cocksucker <laughs> donald sutherland, sutherland. <laughs> uh queen um and so the hunger games is obviously very derivative of things like battle royale mm-hmm. which did this first it also is somewhat derivative of the lottery which is a short story that you probably read in middle school mm. in which there's a lottery and the person who wins i didn't even know that gets stoned to death um and these books were immediately successful they were huge Huge. they were because they filled the the post twilight space Mm -hmm. because i guess because of the like hugely negative cultural reaction to twilight Mm -hmm. in which the interests of teenage girls were seen as frivolous and purely romantic you know there was so much in pop culture about how bella was like you know like a sort of nothing heroine. She was a Mary Sue. All she cared about was this boy who she was in love with. Um, Katniss really filled that negative space that she left of being this Mm. YA heroine who had tons of agency Mm -hmm. and skills and like her, you know, love triangle that she was in was very secondary to her just wanting to survive. Mm -hmm. So in the story of the Hunger Games, Katniss uh, lives in District 12 with her mother and her sister. At the reaping day for the Hunger Games, her sister, who's very young, is selected. Katniss volunteers to go in her place. I volunteer as tribute. Uh-huh, famously. Um, as a meme that will live forever. And uh, the boy selected to go with her is the son of the local baker, mm-hmm. who is, as it turns out, in love with Katniss. Mm-hmm. They go in the Hunger Games together and survive by sort of manufacturing this love story because like I think that's what makes this interesting is like in a lot of the other like in something like Battle Royale 
there's not the same element of surveillance that the Hunger Games has because the Hunger Games is, as we understand it in the world of the books and the movies, is a televised event that mm. people are watching. So it's not just it's not something that's just happening in the arena. It's something that is a show for everyone watching. So they survive because they create the story of them being star-crossed lovers and then this eventually leads to them like kind of by accident starting a revolution and and that is what happens in the subsequent books and films. Wait, side note, should I see Battle C slash read Battle Royale? Is it good? Yeah. I, I've never I've never actually I, heard anyone I, talk about it. Yeah, I read the book like years and years ago. I remember, you know, it, when it was floating around, but I never actually consumed it. So, but yeah, same genre. Um, also familiar. It also feels a little bit like, um, what was that Netflix um, Battle Royale? Squid Game? Squid Game. It's Squid Gamey. Um, yeah, but okay. So I honestly, I don't remember. I was not like Hunger Games pilled. I think I, I consumed Hunger Games... Just the way everyone consumed Hunger Games. Like, I was just like, this is the movie that everyone's seeing. I, yeah, it, it, it looks was monoculture. Am- and it looks amazing. It's starring the most famous actress of this time, Jennifer Lawrence. And so... Well, it, it was just- her big break. Right. Well, but, so Winter's Bone... It was Bone, her big mainstream break. Right. She was nominated for Winter's Bone. She's on the Academy's radar. And so, yeah, this is like the moment where it's like, we all now universally stan Jennifer Lawrence and also Jennifer Lawrence off screen was a part of like the appeal of like her in a press junket she was so charismatic and funny and the girl that you wanted to get a beer with and you know well that I think came as she started Mm -hmm. because Winter's Bone is what brought her to the attention of the industry and then the Hunger Games is what brought Mm. her to the attention of the culture and yes she did gain this reputation for like talking about pizza and like being Mm -hmm. like one of the guys she's very like the gone girl monologue like yeah she was a cool girl she was a cool girl and and you know there was a hugely negative um like backswing to that and that is why she really has pulled back in her public life a negative Um, backswing that follows pretty much any woman who is in the public eye. yeah it's just misogyny (laughs) yeah um I was a little Hunger Games pilled. I did read the books. Mm-hmm. I mean, sort of like in the same way that I read Twilight. It was like I was bored one summer, so I read all the books. I also, I believe, read all three books. And the, I did not read the other ones. And though. the books are good, and they hold up, and they have a lot of, I think, really valuable social commentary in them. Mm-hmm. It's a world that is, like, obviously very far away from our own, but not by that much. Yeah, it's not. And also, like, in at least from what I remember, Hunger Games, like— really stays in Katniss's perspective and and there's yeah, a, it's all told in first person. A lot of interiority, a lot of angst honestly. So it's satiated like young adult angst while also bringing this kind of like next level um uh femme fatale heroine. Per- I mean not she's not in the femme fatale genre but you know what Yeah, I mean. she's a very she's very capable like yeah. that's that's the thing the only reason why she's able to survive the games is because she um, has trained herself to be a hunter. She's an archer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As the, like, one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs, she is the archer. Uh-huh. Um, Wait, what would your weapon of choice be if you were in the Hunger Games? Um, if I was in the Hunger Games, I would die first. <laughs> well, I mean, that's true, but... What would to answer the question? What would I would, what would, it you would be die? a knife and I would slit my own throat. <laughs> <laughs> like the no, second, the, I no, would save no, you. Actually, no. When the cannon I would save went off, you. when the cannon went off, I would just like 
jumps or no I would jump before the <laughs> cannon went off so that I got blown up yes! no I don't have to deal with all that oh god I mean anyways um, I would definitely have a mace I would have like that you know that the- seems very unwieldy and I think you would hurt yourself with no it. I would just work out my upper body <laughs> I think you would like try to swing yeah, it and, and it would swing back around no, and, and hit me in the, the ass or something like that like yeah, yeah it, would be, it would be no I would learn how to ma- you have to you would have to learn how to master whatever weapon you choose and I think I would train ahead and learn the mace because I think there's an intimidation factor with the mace and I also just want to be like you know like a like a a bimbo with a mace like I just think that's kind of fierce and I would be in full sled gear like absolutely like it would be giving like um it would be giving I was gonna say dolls kill but hopefully maybe some like Dion like a Dion Lee kind of like Armor suit, maybe a Mugler Dion Lee armor well, you could suit. Well, you could be Laura Croft, right? It would be very Tomb Raider vibes. Y- yes, but my but my Lenny Kravitz, my Cinna would be Mugler. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Yeah, in my dream world. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I would say, like, I was Hunger Games pilled by the books, but then the movies were what I was really interested in. But... I was only really interested in the first two, and then by the time the final two came out, I was, like, kind of bored. I didn't think they should have been split into two—the third Mm. book should have been split into two movies. Like, that was very post-Harry Potter when everyone started doing that. Mm -hmm. I do—I will say this. I've said this before. The best of the Hunger Games movies is the second one, Mm. Catching Fire— 
even though I do think the first movie is fantastic. Yeah. And the reason why I think the movies are so popular and so enduring is because there was a lot of work put into them to make them good films. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of craft in them. Um, there's a reason why Jennifer Lawrence was cast. Like, yeah. yes, it's because she's a fantastic actress, but the character she played in Winter's Bone, who's this, like, folksy American girl trying to, like, make it in, like, Missouri, Missouri, Missouri um, very much translates to... The Hunger Games, like, she had played that kind of role before. She was someone who was, like, had this, like, inner strength and resilience. And um, the first movie, like, it does not shy away from how fucked up what's happening is. Yeah. You know, these are teenagers who are being pitted pitted against each other to fight to the death on reality TV. And that's fucked up. I, yeah, I, it, it really is. And the movies get progressively darker. I don't. I assume the books do, too, though I remember they were just dark from the—I mean, all they're all dark from the start. But, like, I don't really remember—I think the, the last movie is probably the worst. I remember kind of liking the third movie, like, the, the Julianne Moore of it all and, like, everything that blows up. Um, but well, it's just—it's very, like, bloated in that they— Try to make a lot out of not a lot of plot because the whole the whole third book is like half of it is Katniss trying to essentially create like pro rebellion propaganda, mm. and then the final part of it, which is what the last movie is, is they actually like storm the Capitol and the Capitol has like been turned into basically a version of a Hunger Games arena that they have to survive. Com- complete side note. Do you think the Harry Potter finale should have been split into two movies? Or would you do you wish that it had been one? No, I actually think it, it makes sense. I I agree. I totally agree. Having having watched, having just done my, you know, like annual Harry Potter rewatch, there is so much story in Deathly Hallows. Mm-hmm. And so those movies are two very different things. I actually did a list ranking all the Harry Potter movies. And it's funny that Deathly Hallows Part 1 is one of my favorite movies. Deathly Hallows Part De- 1 and is Deathly my Deathly Hallows one. Part 2 is my least favorite of all the films. Whoa. Not because it's bad, just because it's... Epilogue. It's hard to watch, and it is one specific thing. It is the Battle of Hogwarts. It is the culmination. It's where everyone dies. It's super yeah. depressing. And, you know, as we said in our inaugural Harry Potter episode, the epilogue is one of the worst ri- things ever it's written. so horrible. Yeah. And it just was J.K. Rowling showing her ass long before she showed her ass in other ways. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Something I always think about when I think about the Hunger Games is there was one, there was one year where there was, like, a pride party that Char was performing at, and she posted this on Instagram. It's like a picture of her, maybe Trash, Tyler Ashley, and Aquaria. And the the caption was like, Aquaria came from the Capitol to visit us in the district. <laughs> and like, that's, that's very funny. And there is so much, like, there were so many memes about like the Capitol because right. like the Capitol was where like they had the access to the best technology and they weren't starving and they did these like crazy things where they, like, dyed their skin blue and, like, um, 
it was very it was supposed to be giving like the Roman Empire because there's this whole thing about how they um, made themselves vomit so they could keep eating while right. people while while you know the the common folk were out starving in the districts. Right, right, right. Um, okay. Uh, new launch point. New launch point. Um, because I think this is actually important for our dear producer Phoebe, who has for some reason never seen any of these movies or read any of these books. Can you help the virgins understand the Peta Gale dichotomy? Well, this is this is. I mean, not. I don't think this is controversial no. for me to say that Gale was never like a, a feasible. Love interest. Let, let me for... cro- let me cross you right there. That if Gail was the one, how dare you? You Gail I... was not the one. Gail literally is the reason Katniss's sister is dead. <sighs> but she was spoiler annoying. alert. But she was annoying. Also, I I just think that Gail Peta just over and over and over again was so like jealous and petty about Gail and possessive, and I felt like through a lot of what what they went through, like. I felt like Katniss was really in it for Gail, and, like, Gail knew who she was at home. But I guess also her and—I think what her and Peta have is not love. I think it's trauma bonding. No, I mean, it is trauma bonding. But that's the thing. Trauma bonding is not love, and it makes a bad relationship. But then Katniss did come to love him because— the whole, <laughs> You are witnessing the, the dichotomy right here and now, virgins. <laughs> I'm, I'm team Peta. <laughs> I'm ride team or Gail. Die, ride or die. <laughs> Peta, literally, all he can do is paint himself like a rock. Like, no, uh, he's also very strong. <laughs> and I think— He's also very strong. He's also very strong. Um, but what you're saying about them— Trauma bonding, like, yes, it's true, Uh but the entirety of Catching Fire is once they are both forced to go back into the arena, Katniss's number one priority is that Gale should survive and not her. And so I think it shows that while, yes, Katniss has this relationship with with Gail, where she, if she was free from her obligations, she absolutely would be with him. And her connection with PETA was created by the, the like, in the crucible of the Hunger Games. She has come to value his life more than hers. And, like, yeah. she does have all of this feeling for her. And she wants him to survive, even though that means she will never get to go back to her family to Gale, she has fallen in love with him. And then when Catching Fire ends and Peta is captured by the Capitol and then they, like, torture him and and make him hate Katniss, her number one priority becomes getting him back and, like, fixing his brain. And they do... And then they end up together because Gale makes himself not an option because he's the reason that Katniss's sister dies. Yeah. I... Yeah. I... I don't even remember, honestly, how Katniss's sister dies is, like, what Okay, so Katniss's sister dies because... Spoiler (laughs) Okay, so Gail has, like, devised this thing where they're going to... This, like, trick where they're going to trick people... Like, this this bomb that explodes twice or something, and Katniss's sister dies because of it. And even though, like, I think there's a scene where Gail's, like, he's not sure that... He's, like, actually the one who killed her, but, like, he could have been. And, based at, like, at the end of the day, it's his fault hmm. that she died. Damn. I, like, I, I, honestly, this is kind of what I'm talking about, the finale and the last, maybe, I don't know if this is part of your 
um, beef with the last two movies, but those did kind of blend into the culture for me. Like, I don't really actually remember a ton of what those last movies felt like because I think the finale is such a disappointment. I think by the end, everyone was just kind You're of a little ready for them to end. Yeah. Because I, the thing is, they're not, even though they're enthralling and thrilling, they're not fun. It's not a fun world to visit the way that Harry Potter is. Yeah. Even though there is a lot of death and darkness in Harry Potter, you still want to immerse yourself in the world. That's why there's literally theme parks that exist. It's like, <laughs> I'm not trying to go to a Pan Am theme park. No, 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 no. Even though there should be one. Honestly. I think I think one does exist somewhere. I Probably. think I think there's like somewhere in Asia maybe there is some kind of Hunger Games theme park. Yeah. But you know, I won't be traveling to go to to Pan Am anytime soon. Yeah, me either. But back to Katniss as a character, like I do feel like she became something of a brand new archetype. Like, I mean, obviously there's a lot of varying criticism on it. If you ever read like Bad Feminist and Roxanne Gay's like essay on the Hunger Games of it all and like Katniss as a character. Um, but like there I, I do feel like Katniss is like was like this new like and Jennifer Lawrence. Not not Katniss, not just Katniss, but Jennifer Lawrence as Katniss, I think created like a completely different lane, maybe, for heroines, right? Not this not kind of... not a new one, but it mm. was a revival because I do a think revival. I do think that Katniss is more in the legacy of someone like Buffy, mm-hmm. um, and that a lot of people look at cult, pop culture and especially pop culture that was popular for teenage girls, and very much see Bella and Twilight as like an anomaly because I think more so we are drawn to these heroines who need or want something that is not only romantic love. It's usually the romantic love is like a byproduct of whatever other adventure they're involved in. Mm-hmm. And the the love triangle is secondary. And mm. even in the Hunger Games, like the love triangle does feel like something that was more a create a marketing creation mm-hmm. than something that like organically exists in the books. Yeah. Or the, or the films. Well it's very hard to push literally any, like, movie or franchise led by a woman without romance. Like, unfortunately. Like, I don't like that about, like, you know, Hollywood. But, you know, execs and story editors are not going to want to engage with a woman's action story if it doesn't have romance. You know, that's what blockbusters require. And so I think that maybe that could be said of... Some of these books, some of these genres of books and things like it, I don't know. But that's that's the reason why I like The Hunger Games is because it acknowledges mm-hmm. that the love story is secondary mm-hmm. to the survival story. Like, I was just watching Catching Fire because the, the whole reason we're doing this is because I'm in the middle of yeah. my, you know, Hunger Games rewatch. And in the, like opening act of Catching Fire where Katniss is, has basically been tasked by President Snow to make the people of Penham believe that the only reason she rebelled was because she was in love with PETA because there's an actual rebellion starting. And she tells Gale that she wants to run away with him into the woods because he's like offered that as an option. And he's like, no, I need to be here because there's a rebellion starting. And then he gets like 
whipped by the peacekeepers who are, you know, like the cops of mm-hmm. Pan Am. And then it's announced that in the the next Hunger Games, all of the tributes will come from Victor. So that means that Katniss is going back into the game. It's the all-winners season. It's the, it is all-stars, all-winners. Um, <laughs> so there's this scene where Katniss, like, goes out into the woods with Gail, and he says to her, like, I should have left with you when you said it. And she's kind of like, she's the one who gets up and leaves because she's like, I don't have time for this anymore. This is no longer a love story. This is a, a survival story. Like, this is now about life or death, and, like, you and this romance subplot no longer matter because now I'm literally fighting for my life. Oh, God. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Speaking of the Harry Potter of it all, I have to I have to break this up because this is something that I'm culturally aware of. It is like it's really big on TikTok right now. Um people who are in the Harry Potter fandom, specifically the Marauders fandom, which I'm not sure that you know what I, that is. I have no idea. So the Marauders are, you know, the Marauders map in Harry Potter? Yes. Okay, so that's... Mischief Mo- managed. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. Mm-hmm. Harry's dad, James Potter, Remus Lupin, Sirius Black, Peter Pettigrew. They're OG girl group. They're so little, they're, like, the boys. Yeah, so there's a whole fandom around that era of Hogwarts. Ooh, and, like, the big, the biggest ship in it 
it, and when we talk about ship, that's relationship. It's like we hope you know that by char- this point, characters virgins. that people ship together. So like the like kind of the OG Harry Potter ship in a lot of ways is Wolfstar, which is Remus Lupin and Sirius Black. Mm-hmm. Like and. Even Gary Oldman and David Thewlis, who played the characters in the films, have said, like, They're they, aware. they kind of played them as if they were no a thing. Wait, really? Yeah. Wait, do you ship personally, like, I in d- the fan fiction uh, world? Yes, I do. Okay. So there is – so Hunger Games fan fiction is, like – there was a Hunger Games fandom, but I would say within fandom, Hunger Games is much more popular as a world to set fan fiction in. Mm. Like, a lot of people set – other characters in like a Hunger Games universe in Panem. So right now there is a uh, an ongoing um, fan fiction that I believe is like currently maybe like three hundred thousand words long. Oh. It's called Crimson River, <laughs> and it is it is a Harry Potter Hunger Games AU. And how many of those three hundred thousand words have you read, Rose? I'm not at liberty to say. Uh-huh. I was, let's just say that a couple months ago, I was very bored one weekend. <laughs> you had, did you have okay, COVID? Okay, but the thing is, even though it is, even though Wolfstar is one of the main pairings, it's not the main pairing. The main pairing of the story is James Potter, Harry Potter's dad, and Regulus Black, Sirius Black's younger brother, who never even appears in the Harry Potter books. He is simply... So if you if you remember your Harry Potter lore, the locket that was one of the Horcruxes was stolen by Regulus Black, who was a Death Eater. Mm. And then he was like, actually, Voldemort, you suck. Yeah. So I'm going to steal the locket. And he left the note. That was a whole thing. So he has now become like a fandom creation essentially oh wait i'm very interested in this people ship him with james potter harry potter's dad even though there is literally nothing no no textual evidence behind this these and also james potter is like has no very few characteristics like in the franchise but so but i think the reason why this became so popular is because of tiktok because people make fan edits Mm. and they do fan casts and so the most popular fan cast for Regulus Black is Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> I would love that. And some of these fan edits are like very well done. And the most popular fan cast for James for a young James Potter is young Aaron Taylor Johnson. Ah, oh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh my God. Aaron Taylor Johnson needs to become like you know, a part of like the like a virgin pantheon. Like he's so incredible. Him and he's his a god. old him and his old wife. Oh, him and oh, that's so hot. I just think it's very interesting that the Hunger Games, like while that sort of dystopia has fallen out of fashion, and like while I was saying before, it's not really like a fun universe to exist in. It is something that people keep coming back to in a way that they want to always be filtering the characters and fandoms they're interested in through that lens, I think because of what we were talking about before, about how it is sad and, like, bleak, and there's something appealing about the angst of that and, like, the the stakes of it. And I don't know, I find that fascinating. And And it is... It, there, we are going to have somewhat of a Hunger Games renaissance when right. this new film, The Ballad of Songbirds and Stakes, which is about um, young President Snow, 
Yeah,、uh, comes oh, out. Oh,、uh, oh, the cocksucker. Um, Hunter <laughs> the, Schaefer, the old-fashioned cocksucker. Hunter Schaefer is such a perfect cast to me because she deserves to be in an action franchise. She deserves and, to be in something that's not Euphoria. Yes, yes, exactly. And also, she will just much like Jennifer Lawrence can bring emotional stakes to something that's. Hyper unreal, um, surreality, um. But、uh, anyways, on the kind of fan casting shipping that you, uh thing that you just outlined, and thinking about you know the popular characters that everyone wants to stand in Harry Potter, who is the couple that everyone ships or maybe should ship in your eyes in the Hunger Games franchise? Like two characters that really should have got it on. And would be an amazing story in and of themselves. Oh well, I mean, this is like sort of alluded to in the films more than it was in the books. But Effie and Hamish. Oh yeah, they, they, they do have a have couple a... little scenes. Yeah, I mean, there also, is a kind of Effie. That is, I, I to me, Elizabeth Banks's best work. I it definitely is incredible, and I think the character development over the course of the franchise is when Katniss、amazing. stabs the table. That is mahogany. mahogany. Um, I have, I did say this during our Twilight episode, I believe, but I did unfortunately break up with somebody after having a fight. With them about which characters we were in the Hunger Games while we were watching it, because oh, so who do you think you are? Okay, so the way the fight went down was like he immediately was like, "Oh, you're Effie," blah blah blah, and I was like, "Okay, not no," but like there was this kind of like tension slash recurring conflict, like my ex and I would have about. Me being a corrupt capitalist or something like that, and like, and I was just like, okay, so I see the undercurrent of what you're trying to say there, but I'm gonna take it in stride because I think that's really funny, and so I was just like, well, then you're Peta because he is fucking Peta, because he, I was like, because you're like a whiny little bitch. Okay, well, who do you think you are? Um, he is a whiny little bitch, by the way. Um, I believe you. I do think I am. Believe women. I, I do think I am. Thank you. I do think I'm Effie. I do. I I I think that. I I have in my own life a character arc like Effie's like I the place that I was ten years ago to where I am now has not different belief systems the way Effie has but I've grown a lot in like my trajectory as a human being and what I want to do with my life and I'm proud of that and I I'm not trying to like you know get rid of like who I was before. And I also still retain some characteristics from my capitalist days that,、uh-huh. like you know, are part of my judge. Like I would Literally say, capitalist. Yes, I would say that's mahogany. Okay, would, like you, I would. You really would. I would.、Uh, and I am、um, the girl from the first movie who's played by the the girl from Orphan、mm-hmm. who throws daggers. The one that gets naked in the elevator. No. Oh no, I'm Joanna. Who? Oh who my God,、her? Joanna, Jenna Malone.、Um, who? Wait, remember that one time we went to Atrium for brunch in LA? Jenna Mal- and I told you Jenna Malone had just left, and I was like, "Who is that?" And I like caught eyes with her, and I was, was like, "Jenny Maroney's here." I was actually kind of gagged by that, and I'm like very unfazed by seeing famous people out in the wild. But that scene where she gets into the elevator and takes all her clothes off. Is iconic. Jenna Maroney should have been in the Hunger Games. <laughs> so she, yeah, she should have been in the Capitol. I'm I'm Joanna. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna be any of the Hunger Games characters, but okay. So who should have been a couple? 
Somebody gay, right? Yeah, so I would say Joanna and Katniss yeah, should have hooked up. Yeah, I think Katniss should have, should have, should have, you know, followed her her instincts and ditched these guys. And then I'm also going to say Peta and Hamish. Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you, the end of this story would have been, there would have been much more harmony, I think, if Hamish had gotten with Peta. And if Jennifer Lawrence had been a lesbian. Like, that, yeah. I think, would have satisfied their overall needs as humans. Because back to what I was trying to say before, trauma bonding is not love. And it's true that, like, yes, like, she's going through this trauma. A trauma that's literally, like, in the books, in the movies. And she's, to us, they're not totally saying it the way I'm saying it. But it's like, Katniss is kind of saying towards the end of these films, it's like, I have gone through something that literally no one else understands unless you've been in this th- the thing right you ha- if you haven't been in the hunger games you don't understand my trauma and so because there was no going back for katniss katniss emotionally it makes sense i i can concede that gail is no longer a fit which is why she should have gotten with a, a woman who was in the hunger games yeah but even i think even outside of even outside of the Hunger Games, Katniss's experience was more singular than anyone else because mm-hmm. not only was she manipulated, mm-hmm. and this is the whole point of the last film, is not only was she manipulated by the Capitol in a very obvious way, she was then manipulated by the Resistance. That's mm-hmm. the whole reason why she kills Julianne Moore at the end. Yeah. It's because she's like, I'm not going to let this happen again because the way the Hunger Games end is the Resistance is like, okay, now we're going to start the Hunger Games again just with the children from the Capitol. And Katniss is like, it's never going to fucking end, it's so I'm gonna just going to kill you. And then Donald Sutherland like laughs. He's like, ha ha ha. And then Katniss, you know, she removes herself from it entirely. She and Peta go back to District 12 and just, like, have a bunch of kids and, like, fuck and bake bread for the rest of their lives. Fuck and bake bread. Now that is a happy ending. Um, slide into our DMs at Like a Virgin 4 2069. Tell us what would your weapon of choice be in The Hunger Games? Do you think you would survive? Um, are you more of a capital girly or are you in one of the districts? Are you team... PETA, Team Gale, Team Effie, we want to know. Um, and uh, please uh, rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, we really appreciate that. My name's Rose Damu. You can find me anywhere online at Rose Damu. And I'm Fran Toronto. You can find me at Fran Squishko, anywhere you like. Like a Virgin is an iHeartRadio production. Our producer is Phoebe Unter, with support from Lindsay, Ho- with support from Lindsay Hoffman and Nikki Etor. Until next week... Um, boom! That's the sound of the the cannon that that happens when someone dies in the Hunger Games. You know I can't whistle. Oh my god! So that really? was very triggering. For me. <laughs> I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last twenty five years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. 
Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 